The iPhone won't plug and play. We step inside one of the places you can actually touch Facebook and we find out if Venom really is the dumbest movie of the year. It's all coming up on the CNET UK podcast. Hello, hi, welcome to CNET UK Podcast. I'm Rich Trenholm and I'm joined by Katie Collins. Hi Rich, how are you doing this week? I'm doing very well. We've had a little bit of a break, but we filled it with lots of exciting things. Uh, but first of all, let's start with the, some uh, some interesting news in the world of fonts. Font news, everybody. This is <laughs> Our favourite kind of Our news. Our favourite kind of news. Uh, scientists have created a new font that's designed to forget your memory. So, sorry, to boost your memory so you don't forget things. And it's, uh, it's, it's called Sans Forgetica. <laughs> see what they did there that's that's great i mean i i imagine this would be great for like university students who are like cramming and um yeah i i can definitely see why this is a good thing but how does it actually work how does it actually work well, i'm glad you asked katie uh <laughs> because i'm about to tell you uh it is it's so the, the design of it is that it's a sans serif uh, typeface and it uh, it's actually designed to be harder to read than most fonts. Most fonts are designed to be easy to read so you can glide over them and you can read quickly and easily. This is designed to be harder to read uh, because it slants left. Okay. Right? So it leans the other way to most fonts. Uh, it's very fairly rare to be uh, uh, for that to be used in uh, typography and it's full of holes. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the, there's like bits cut out of the different letters and so with it slanting left and with all these holes, it's harder to read so you have to uh, concentrate more. Right. Yeah. yeah, I can definitely see how that would work. So it's asking your brain to kind of go into overdrive a little bit to exactly. to read through and therefore you're less likely, it's less likely you just to slip out of your mind the second that you've read it. <laughs> exactly, which is, yeah, which is something I think we're all uh, familiar with. It's called deeper cognitive processing, apparently, when you when you right. kind of uh, ask your brain to work a little bit harder. And that promotes retention of the uh, the stuff that you're, you're reading. Uh, interestingly, this psychological learning principle is known as desirable difficulty okay which is also my tinder name so is this something that we're going to be kind of like is it going to be an option that we're going to be seeing in word for example or i don't know uh, I, w I would hope so yeah yeah i mean it's been, it's been developed by scientists i think we should use it everywhere yeah i think so i think everything should be harder to read oh apparently you can download it um to or as a, as a chrome browser extension or to use on pc or mac so oh, there okay. you go if, if you're perhaps studying, um, you've got exams coming up or something like that, then that mm. might be something worth looking into. Yeah. Why don't you test it out and let us know how you get on with it? Absolutely. Those Wikipedia articles won't learn themselves. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, get stuck in. Um, also coming up, uh, a problem that's been affecting a few people is the iPhone XS has a charging problem. Mm. Um, now, it seems like there's always... I don't understand how how there's a, there's a problem with new phones in this day and age i mean come yeah. on surely they've surely they've mastered it surely they've kind of figured it out but apparently charging is a bit too difficult for the uh, the iphone xs so some users have noticed their phones won't charge if the screen is off when they plug in their lighting lightning cable right okay yeah i so mean it's that a bit niche. yeah it is it is niche um apparently this is going to be solved with a software update though so this, oh, thank god the, <laughs> the next software update ios 12.1 mm -hmm. um will uh it's, it's currently in beta but it's going to arrive on iphones and ipads later this autumn so if you are if you do have a new iphone xs and you're struggling with this um or you've experienced it then don't worry a fix is coming mm -hmm. um until then i think the the sort of 
temporary hack to fix this is just to make sure your screen is on when you plug your your lightning cable in mm. um not ideal um but just something to be aware of for now i i expect yeah at least it's not as bad as uh, last year when um the new ios system came along and it wouldn't let you use the letter i mm. which was <laughs> which was a bit of a i mean it's not like you use the letter i all that often no i mean that's all I ever use. I yeah. just talk about myself constantly. <laughs> um, I mean, this. Uh, I, I do find generally that iOS updates are a lot more stable than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be a sort of... Um, I mean, I used to wait a while at least to download the latest version of the, mm. uh, the of Apple software to my phone. Um, nowadays, it tends to be a lot more stable so it's not going to kind of like wipe your phone and lose everything that you have and you know oh good delete all of your photos or anything like that so it's it they they are generally a lot more stable but there are obviously these like little bugs that they find Mm. um uh, that they'll try and patch up in later versions as well Fair, fair enough absolutely fair enough uh, also, uh, what's happening this week is uh, the Paris Motor Show has been on. So we've sent our roadshow and our intrepid roadshow team out there to look at the latest cars and trucks and motorbikes and and other road going vehicles. <laughs> uh, some of the the cool things they've seen. Uh, we're not going to go too much into it, but uh, I'm quite like the look of the Peugeot E Legend concept, which is an electric car, but it looks like a kind of like old muscle car. It's uh, oh, it's nice. quite cool. It looks like a kind of um, uh, gnarly vintage look. It's kind of uh, it's kind of cool. Um, there's also a drivable Lego Bugatti Chiron. Yeah. So it's a Bugatti Chiron made out of Lego, but you can drive it, which yeah. may be the coolest thing uh, at the uh, at the Paris Motor Show. With it being the Paris Motor Show as well, it's uh, obviously it's a European show. It's full of European cars. If you're American, then you might not get to see some of these cars. So we actually have a special gallery which shows you all the cars that aren't coming to America. <laughs> so uh, I hope you enjoy that one. And if you're European, you can see all the cars that we get to keep for ourselves. So it's something for everyone, really, in yep. that sense. But uh, yeah, look out for scenic.com slash roadshow. Anyway, and uh, you've been you've been on the road, I so have. to speak. You've been out and about. Yep. Um, well, I I actually uh, I flew to Ireland and back within in the space of a day. Um, so not on the road so much as in the air. Okay. But um, yeah, this was a this was a trip that I did last week, I think, um, or maybe the week before now. But I, I flew over to Dublin. Um, and uh, I went to visit Facebook's new data center that they've just opened just outside Dublin in okay. a town that I think you pronounce Clooney or Clooney. Okay. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong. I'm sure uh, our Irish uh, fans will tell us. Let us know. <laughs> yep, race to the comments. Yeah. Yep. Um, but basically, I went to see this data center um, that is, I mean, usually, I won't lie, data centers can be quite dull. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... They're, they're just these kind of big warehouses almost that are um, full of servers um, and you know they don't even have many people in them because it mm. doesn't take just a lot of flashing lights yeah um, but this one I, I found particularly interesting I mean partly because it's owned by Facebook so this is um, I was kind of wandering down these uh, these rows of sort of flashing uh, server stacks and you know you, you they're, they're all kind of labeled so you see um, you know you see what uh, which bit of Facebook each server stack is relating really? to? So, like likes and y- pokes, yeah, and, and newsfeed and that kind of thing. Really, it actually, yeah. I was joking. It's actually, t- yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. So, so you have all of these. Um. You kind of have all of these. Uh. These different bits of Facebook, and it's the kind of it's Facebook in its most sort of tangible form. Mm. Um. And uh, the the way that it works is, you know, if you click like on something on Facebook, then um, the it, it will kind of 
Facebook will sort of send all of these signals to all these different data centers. Um, the data centers will kind of scramble all the data together in the right order and deliver it back to you within mm. the space of you know milliseconds mm. um, down um, down the fiber cables. So so yeah, I, it was it was amazing just to kind of be inside this data center and they've got all of this. So Facebook's pledged as well. Um, to be uh, to run on totally renewable energy by okay. 2020. Mm. Um, I think originally when they signed up to this, they they said 2022, but they actually they're actually way ahead of schedule. Mm. So they've got all of these um, th- this uh, this data center kind of um, runs totally on renewable energy. Mm. Um, it's it's taking advantage of the fact that Ireland has is one of the best countries for uh, wind power in the world um, to uh, make sure that it's it's kind of you know using mm. all of that to um to to power it yeah. um and it's also got all of these um it's got this special cooling system that um sucks um all of the hot air up from the data centers and uh kind of sends cool air back down into them um and it's about twice as efficient as normal okay um it's also really interesting just to kind of because you don't really get an opportunity to see you know these kind of facilities very often Mm. and to see how the kind of silicon valley facebook culture sort of presents itself in this tiny town outside of dublin in ireland Um, because you know i've been to some of the facebook offices in london and they're kind of like you know that as you would imagine that it's like free lunches and Mm. like lots of like murals all over the wall lots of cool stuff going on very colorful Mm. like it has a kind of like a fun atmosphere meeting rooms with silly names yeah Yeah. um so it was interesting to see there are about 300 people that work on this site and a lot of them actually i think are employed in security Mm -hmm. um but uh they they have all of these kind of the whole of the um the data center is surrounded by a lot of land and they've landscaped it so that it reflects the surrounding area and mm-hmm. um like the uh, they've got kind of local like flora and fauna and as as you go in the first thing that you see are all these uh these beehives it's a, there are um it's it's not very obvious actually when you arrive that it it is a facebook site okay. um, the first kind of branding that you see is as you go in is are all these beehives with f- all of the Facebook letters along them and they're all painted Facebook blue okay. um, and I was talking to some of the people that worked there and apparently they have two beekeepers on staff all right. but um, since uh, s- since starting to work there it's kind of become a bit of an extracurricular activity for a lot of the employees and there are now over 20 people on the staff that help um, help uh, maintained the beehives oh, and wow. they're all doing beekeeping at home and um <laughs> so they it's make a hive of activity Bruh. it really yeah. is um they, they make all this honey and they serve it in the canteen and mm-hmm. that kind of thing so okay. so yeah it was just really interesting to kind of see inside you know what makes facebook kind of tick over on a day-to-day basis and yeah like a physical manifestation of yeah our, our online lives what yeah. is it what does it sound like is it noisy um so inside the server room it's kind of like there's a sort of constant hum mm. um of of all the of all the servers um and uh yeah it's kind of uh it's quite dark in places and um also i went up on the roof which was quite cool um uh, i was like going up on the on the roof of buildings (laughs) absolutely yeah um but yeah it was just um it's just easy it's just interesting just to see the kind of um the the way in which it sort of sort of stands up and how facebook has these centers all around the world and how they all kind of all of our data is sort of is kind of passed up and stored in different places Mm. um and every time we kind of use facebook 
we're actually interacting with all of these massive masses of machines mm. all over the place um so yeah it was just in, an interesting yeah, insight into it and there's an article about that on the site there is some yes photos and some and photos so you can actually see what it looks like as well see what it looks like inside facebook's brain yep and hearts and, and liver and spleen yeah and uh beehives yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, so uh, uh that sounds cool well so um, moving on um we have some n more news about what uh, uh from facebook one of the world's biggest corporations to disney another huge corporation yeah and we have some more news about what uh, they're going to be doing with their new streaming service which is coming soon in the future Exciting. um yeah it is so there uh, there's been some new news about uh, one of the shows they're going to be showing on their new uh, video streaming service and it's called it's a star wars show and it's going to be called the mandalorian and this is the show that's going to be uh, like produced and created by John Favreau, the guy behind Iron Man and um, Swingers and loads of other stuff, and uh, and the the Jungle Book uh, remake. Um, so this for for Disney. So this is going to be a new show. We don't know too much about it. We haven't seen any pictures yet. Um, but all we know is it's going to be about someone who's in some way related to Boba Fett, the famous okay. bounty hunter from the uh, the original movies. Um, the Mandalorian. So Boba Fett was a Mandalorian. He was from the planet. Mandalore, I guess. I don't know. Um, he was a Mandalorian bounty hunter, and this show is uh, going to be about a uh, a Mandalorian, presumably a bounty hunter. They've been described as a lone uh, gunfighter on the frontier of space, and it's set between the original movies and the start of the new movies. So it's set between like Return of the Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens. Okay. So it's kind of a, a chapter of uh, Star Wars that hasn't quite been explored uh, particularly uh, thoroughly. So yeah, so. There's quite a few shows coming about Star Wars. There's, uh, you know, we've got all the spin-offs like Solo and that kind of, and Rogue One and that kind of thing. But we're also going to get Star Wars Resistance, which is about Poe Dameron and his mates. Now we've got this show, The Mandalorian. Uh, the Clone Wars is coming back. There's, mm. there's quite, a, there's a lot of Star Wars. Do you think it's getting to the point where we're getting a bit oversaturated? Do you think they're kind of milking the universe maybe a bit too much, I and we're kind of are. losing the. Um, you know that kind of like real thread of sort of excitement and the kind of canon almost of Star Wars and sort of splitting it up a bit too much into different I directions. Think possibly, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. So our colleague Claire Riley has written a piece that's just basically uh, talking about that very thing. She talks about how when she was a kid, she probably would have loved to have seen all this stuff. Um, but Star Wars was like a special thing, and every yeah. couple of years, it came, you know, a new Star Wars movie came along, and it was a big deal. Um, so I, maybe, maybe that's true. I think maybe we were a bit jaded. I was thinking about this the other day when I went to see, I went to the premiere of the new Doctor Who series mm -hmm. and it occurred to me that you know 10 15 years 12, 15 20, well let's be honest 20 25 years ago <laughs> i would have been uh like absolutely over the moon to have the amount of doctor who stuff that's out there the books and the uh you know the spin-off shows that they that there aren't on the moment but uh, stuff like torchwood and the sarah jane adventures and class and all that kind of thing when i was a kid i would have just like lapped that all up mm -hmm. and now as an adult even though i love doctor who and i love watching it still i i never bothered to really get into those shows particularly um, and I just, you know, I guess I've just grown up. So I think maybe it's easy for us to say, oh, there's too much Star Wars. But mm. for kids, it's probably, you know, kids who love Star Wars, it's probably yeah. a great time to be alive. What a time to be alive and yeah, young. And to be a Star Wars fan. And to be a Star Wars fan, exactly. I do sometimes feel like there's so much stuff, like the, the kind of the binge watching box set revolution and the golden age of TV has turned slightly into, for me, it feels like homework. You know, yeah. you kind of you you meet up with your friends and and you're like checking off the list. Like, have you watched Ozark yet? Have you watched Predator Saw yet? And you're like, oh no, I'm really behind on Ozark, and I haven't even haven't even thought about Westworld season two. You know, like yeah. it just feels like there's so much stuff that feels like uh, feels like homework. Um, yeah, I, and actually, I think as a kind of the the thing that actually that makes me do is to go back and rewatch a lot of stuff that I find really kind of 
comforting mm. and you know it's it it's kind of it puts me off a little bit like it, it feels like it once you start investing in a new series like mm. oh this is gonna take up a bunch of my time and mm. you know i don't know if it's going to be worth it and you know i i'm really picky about new things that i'm prepared to kind of get into and yeah. it, I, it is making me go back and just re-watch a load of old stuff that mm. i I've seen before and perhaps that's you know perhaps I should step outside my comfort zone a little bit but I do feel like I watch you know at least one new thing every month that's good I think the important thing is probably to try something new without feeling beholden to finish the whole yeah, thing I yeah yeah I sometimes get put off actually starting something just because I feel like I don't want to complete it or I'm never going to yeah. complete it um, and, but, and also if something gets to like season two or season three oh. and you haven't started it already you just feel like oh well, i'm so behind i'm never going to catch up now yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah i feel a bit like that with game of thrones i know it's uh, it's terrible I, i'm not really that up on game of thrones but i think maybe i might like marathon it before the last season starts yeah but there's been some good stuff that's been on on uh, for example on netflix recently uh maniac i thought was great and uh final space is fantastic on on, uh, on netflix that mm. is really really good uh it looks kind of like futurama and it looks like a kind of wacky silly uh sci-fi spoof cartoon and it sort of is but it also turns into this kind of uh proper space opera it's kind of like guardians of the galaxy it's mm. actually uh it's funny but it's actually also really kind of surprisingly uh affecting and and uh, and exciting so final well, that space good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. um also I, i've noticed that maniac's been kind of advertised to me quite a lot so i mm. think i might give that a go as well yeah definitely because uh yeah the algorithm has suggested <laughs> the that al the algorithm decrees yes, that maniac that is, it might be for me yeah, so although it also said insatiable might be for me and it definitely wasn't so right fair um enough. so just just uh one further one last question on this um yep. What else do we know about Disney's streaming service and who it's going to kind of be targeted at? Because, you know, I'm already signed up to a bunch of different streaming services mm. and taking on a new one now at this stage. Well, yeah, that's the thing. New streaming services are kind of are, are kind of the big big thing at the moment that everyone's trying to do. Apple's trying to do it. Um, uh, you know, Disney's doing this. The the main thing that we kind of know is that uh, Disney is taking all its stuff. It's kind of taking its ball and going home. It's taking all its its toys off uh, off Netflix and other places, and mm. it's just going to be available on, on the Disney streaming service. Uh, the exact details of how it's going to work for us over here aren't clear yet i'm not mm. entirely sure if it's just going to be a u.s thing okay um you know there's also uh, uh dc have just launched or is about to launch their new streaming service which is going to have brand new uh live action shows like titans which is where um uh it's about like the the, the sidekicks of the superheroes uh, okay. so it's like robin um uh swearing and beating people up it's quite gritty and violent it almost um, feels like these are a bit more niche though because yeah. you know they're Whereas it, anyone could probably sign up to Netflix or mm. um, Amazon Prime and f Prime Video and, and find something on there for mm. them. And, you know, there'd be stuff for a whole family. You know, if you're not into Disney or if you're not into DC, then... It sounds like these services are not going to be for you. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Disney, uh, sorry, DC is definitely something that's going to be fairly niche. I mean, you know, there's a huge number of people who love DC, yeah. but it's, it's still going to be it's still going to be pretty much all superheroes. Disney, at least, I mean, the thing about Disney is it has it has Marvel, it has Star Wars, it has mm. uh, you know the Disney princess type movies. Um, so that's a fairly broad range of, of, of stuff. But it does it is reaching the point where you're going to have to decide. Like when Apple launches their streaming service, you're going to have to think: Can I spend ten 
$10 on Amazon, $10 on Netflix, $10 on YouTube on Premium Disney, as YouTube well. Premium. Exactly, yeah. So Hulu and so on yeah. and so on. I mean, there's also already, there's a bunch of other even more niche ones. There's uh, there's Shudder, which does, just does horror movies. There's um, Mubi and BFI Player, which are like uh, cinephile streaming services okay. that do kind of um, art house and indie and, and classic movies. Uh, so there's all these different streaming services. And I think what we're probably going to see is we've reached the point now where everybody's trying to get in the game. And then in a few years' time, it'll shake out and it'll kind of yeah. consolidate back down. And we'll probably just end up with Netflix and Amazon like we have now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, good luck while but it paying lasts. But paying more for them. Probably, yeah, yeah. So good luck. You know, enjoy it. Have a good time while it lasts, Apple and, yeah. uh, and everybody. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Apple have got some uh, some really big names lined up for their yeah. streaming service. We don't know what they're going to be yet. We know, for example, they're going to have a show by Damien Chazelle, who is the guy who uh, directed La La Land. And he's just directed First Man, which comes out next week, which is very, very good. Should we talk about First Man just for a second? That's coming out on the 11th yes. of October, and it is excellent. Uh, it stars Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong, who you may remember was the first man to walk on the moon. And it also stars Claire Foy from The Crown as his wife, directed by Damien Chazelle. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's really, really good. Um, it's, uh, it's What they've done is something really clever where they, uh, they, they don't kind of show you these kind of like wide epic shots of the spaceships taking mm -hmm. off they, um, uh, it, that you might have got from like Apollo 13 and that kind of thing. Uh, what they do is they put you right in the cockpit and the capsule with Neil Armstrong. So a lot of the time, all you're really seeing is, uh, is like Ryan Gosling's eyes, which is more than enough, obviously, um, in his helmet. And you're seeing the, like the, 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 I'm the, sold. the, exactly, the dials and the switches <laughs> and the readouts that he's looking at and you're seeing these little tiny windows as like the earth falls away and sounds quite claustrophobic appears. it's incredibly claustrophobic and it's so immersive yeah. and it, it sounds counterintuitive that it's a very small kind of intimate sort of view of, of this guy's experience but it was so immersive that when I saw it on the IMAX screen the massive IMAX screen it really kind of brought me into it so uh you know I think it's what kind of, it's what the big screen is made for I think mm. and then um it's uh, it also sort of shows uh, the lives at home of the astronauts, which is a little bit of a kind of like standard bio, you know, biopic thing where you've mm. got a brilliant man being all driven and obsessed and his, and his wife is like, but what about the kids? And, yeah. you know, she's like, uh, no, Neil, you listen to me all the time, that kind of thing. There's lots of slamming doors and that kind of stuff, which is a little bit of a thankless task for Claire Foy. Uh, but I actually also uh, I did get to meet Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy and had a little bit of a chat to them about the movie. So let's have a little clip of that now. Like what, what I wanted to try to do with this movie was try to take, you know, a contemporary viewer and put them, try to really rewind in a true time travel kind of way to the early 60s where where walking on the moon was as insane a proposition as, you know, today, maybe it's Mars or, or you know, what have you, um, uh, but kind of as insane a proposition as you can get um, and felt as unwieldy an enterprise and just to see step by step in a real time, immediate kind of way, not with an historical vantage point, but hopefully in a present tense kind of way, um, how one goes about turning improbable fantasies into realities. Um, and, and again, the costs that we often forget. Human spaceflight anyway had sort of become, uh, at least where I grew up, um, uh, taken for granted, you know, it wasn't something that really was being discussed, you know, uh, the Moon Man was the MTV uh, logo. Um, and that's why I think when I, when Damien uh, and I met about this and I read Neil's story, I just was like so, it was just such an inspired idea on his end to want to sort of um, dive deeper into that and to revisit it and to show that it wasn't this um, this predestined uh, success. An incredible thing that Damien did, which is he gave us room to 
not have to feel pressured or that we had to get it right. And it's, for me, I just personally felt really grateful because I got to test out an American accent for two weeks without anyone going, I'm not sure about that vowel sound, um, which was amazing. Which, um, and we all got to kind of, you know, live with each other and, and, and get to know one another and, and uh, mess up and do it wrong and try things out, which is very, very rare. So, yeah, so that's First Man. And the funny thing about First Man is that after it had finished, I felt like I just wanted to just sit quietly. Just I didn't want to go out into the world of uh, of like people and traffic and email and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to sit in the darkened theatre and just like sit with it and, and just sort of it was yeah it was it was a really strange feeling i can't think of any movie where i felt like that for for such a long time so um uh yeah so first man is absolutely stunning that's out um in, on the 11th or 12th of october so that's out fairly soon um but if you want to go to the pictures now then what you can go and see is what might be from a very smart movie first man to a very dumb movie which is venom and you know what i actually thought it was really fun uh so in a terrible way yeah but uh, i i think that it's been that year hasn't it i mm. mean of um of us kind of wanting a bit of stupidity <laughs> and just and saying it it doesn't have to be good in the classical sense mm. for you to really enjoy it yeah so so venom for, for those of you who aren't aware venom is a, a villain from the spider-man comic books uh, and so uh, he's appearing in his own movie he's this kind of like alien hybrid guy who sort of uh he's like this kind of super powered alien black clad kind of weirdo who likes biting people's heads off and he kind of bonds with tom hardy who's this sort of hapless uh, reporter does he and, have um, eyes he does he has he does have eyes he kind of like he sort of he sort of takes over tom hardy's body and he has like big fang teeth and he has uh, he has sort of eyes and he's this big kind of like huge black uh creature and uh, so the sort of the thrust of the story is about tom hardy is uh is trying not to let this this creature take over him um and uh it's that sort of side of it is really really fun because tom hardy is like really kind of like he's very tom hardy he's doing a bit of a funny voice and he's really like kind of twitchy and sweaty and committed to it and he's playing this guy who just doesn't know what's happening to him while this monster is trying to take over his body and so there's almost like a kind of david cronenberg body horror element to it um and to the action scenes and stuff and that bit of it is really really fun the trouble is it's all that's sort of pushed aside too often for this sort of fairly generic superhero story where there's like a villain and there's a there's a love interest and that's all a bit boring what you really kind of want to see is is tom hardy just trying to stop himself from eating people which is which is is really fun do you think that's something that tom hardy struggles with in real life i think it probably is i think he really (laughs) kind of brought a lot of himself to this role what's kind of funny about it is that he's sort of doing he he said he he, he drew influence from woody allen and conor mcgregor so kind of uh, woody allen's the sort of like neurotic kind of twitchy kind of uh, normal guy and then conor mcgregor is this like pumped up uh, sort of almost bad guy figure and what's great is that when tom hardy is like fighting for control of his own body he's kind of like mumbling to himself all the time in this woody allenish way he's like oh, what happened to my leg my leg was broken oh my god i just hit that guy don't eat i don't want to eat someone and it's just it's just really it's just really funny those bits are really fun there's um there's a, when you and also the venom uh being has a bit more of a personality than i expected and when mm-hmm. that comes out it's quite funny like there's a whole sort of subplot about tom hardy trying to get his girlfriend back and venom this kind of uh, alien being that likes eating people starts giving him advice, which is just hilarious. And <laughs> it's like I wanted, the devil on his shoulder. It really is. And I, I wanted a lot more of that. Uh, and unfortunately, um, Michelle Williams and Riz Ahmed, who are both great, and I'm sure they probably got paid a lot of money. Uh, I hope so. Uh, they kind of, their stories are quite dull and they kind of uh. bog this story down. And Riz Ahmed also plays the exact same Silicon Valley 
tech but genius bad guy that he played in the Jason Bourne movies. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't much of a stretch for him. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe they thought no one remembers Jason Bourne because it wasn't very good, the, the most recent one. But there you go. No, but Venom, it's, it's kind of fun. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of silly. Um, it's, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work. It's all over the place. Uh, but it's it's kind of fun. I quite liked it. So there you go. It's a it's a big dumb supervillain movie that reminds you of big dumb supervillain movies from like ten fifteen years ago. Honestly, <laughs> if you remember, if you look back fondly on Ghost Rider and Spawn and uh, the Hulk movies uh, that that Marvel tries to forget about, then uh, then yeah, you'd probably love Venom. Yeah. Sounds great. It is great. Um, so yeah, let's know. Uh, it is actually out now. Um, so I think it's I think it's out now. Yeah. By the time you hear this, it will have been out for a couple of days. So. Yeah, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. I don't know. Uh, tell us what you think of uh, of Venom. Uh, let us know. Uh, you can get in touch by you can email scenatukpodcast at cbsi.com or we're on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, all over the place. We're on Snapchat. We're on Snapchat. Does anyone still use Snapchat? I yeah, don't know. I think yeah. they do. Okay. But not to the same extent. Not to the same extent. Okay. No. You can Instagram story us or something. I don't know. That's what the kids do these days. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, you can find us. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Rich Nightwell. And Katie, what's your I am handle? at Katie Collins. Nice and simple. Nice and simple. Great. Uh, and if you want to leave a review for us on iTunes or leave some comments on YouTube, then we'd be very grateful as long as they're nice because we are very thin-skinned and we're feeling very delicate. Yeah. So, yeah, be nice. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, we will see you hopefully very soon. Bye now. Bye. <laughs> you didn't wave. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>